welcome to Too Many Cooks, a podcast where we explore recipes written by your favorite chefs and try them out in our own home kitchens. It's like a book club, but for recipes. In today's episode, we dive into the very good eats of Alton Brown and his baby back ribs. We also discuss how he paved the way for us food nerds. Other topics include big dad energy, tinfoil frustration, and we potentially alienate our Maryland listeners, for which I'm very sorry. So stick around and enjoy our conversation about Alton Brown's baby back ribs. Um, how caffeinated are you? Zero. Zero caffeinated? Is that on purpose? I don't, I don't usually like rely on caffeine. Um, like us plebeians. I'm not sure if you've noticed this. Like us plebeians. I have a lot of energy. So much energy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So I need you to go first about the best thing you ate this week because I can't think of anything right now. Not that I haven't eaten delicious things. I think I've just eaten too many delicious things. And it's funny because I'm not sure if I've had anything that I'm like super delicious or amazing. Like I really enjoyed that salad dressing last night, as sad as that is, you know. That was um, <laughs> We ate, we ate so Ben had scoped out um a, a, probably about a month ago when we first got to DC that Harris Teeter sells DiGiorno croissant pizza. And oh, so, so right. he had seen it and he had been thinking about it. And it was one of those things like I so I've never really eaten DiGiorno like growing up. I think we just had we relied so heavily on we literally could you just could put your car in neutral, go down the hill and get the most amazing Sicilian margarita pizza on the planet. Like nice, it was just yeah. like like Nicola Pizza, the best place. It closed when I was in college, and it was like I like grieved for a while. Like it was yeah. like it was grief. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we did frozen pizza really growing up for similar reasons. Yeah, like we had all these pizza places that were pretty incredible. But if so. you don't have access to good pizza, like DiGiorno has been proving to me that's not that bad. And like, I mean, it's not delicious. It's the like whatever. But it's like it's kind of that like ugly delicious David Chang kind of thing where it's like. If it's good, if you like it, <laughs> it's good. Like, so, like it. I, I think it has nothing to do with access to good pizza or not. I think it has everything to do with just as a time saver and convenience. And money, you know? yeah. Like, I think um, price, yeah. Yeah, because like, you know, just being able to have something in the freezer or in a pinch. Right. You could just put 15 it in the minutes, oven, yeah. you know. No, it was. No, so the reason I, I went to the coffee, we, I should like explain why we went from salad dressing to DiGiorno pizza. But the, the link was that. Last night, I got DiGiorno pizza and Screaming Italian. Uh, Screaming Sicilian. Screaming Sicilian. Raging Italian frozen pizza. (laughs) And then I was like standing there in Harris Teeter looking at those two boxes and I looked at all the sodium and I was just like, have I eaten enough fiber today to like, I'm not like, I don't think that any food is bad. Like I think like just food is food and like in moderation or whatever. Like that's why I look like the way I do. But anyway, (laughs) um, like she works out, but she also really likes tacos. <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> Is that your identity? That's my identity. Um, <laughs> she works out, but she also has a tattoo of a croissant on her arm. So obviously, um, so I was like, I should eat some fiber today, and then I like went and got some salad. But then I was like, well, shoot, I'm, I'm sure Dave has all this stuff at his house to make salad dressing. And you come out and you're like mint, white balsamic, like stuff. I I just loved that. It was so good. Thanks. I so. It's it's funny because it mainly was because you were using cucumbers, right? And so, oh yeah, uh, I've done this like that salad dressing for like a cucumber type salad in the past, and I just think the combination of of mint, cucumber, and uh, the balsamic, it's the white so balsamic, good. 
is such a perfect combination. It's really satisfying. Like, and again, like I've seen recipes for that where it's like you add some sugar, um, mm. but you don't, you don't need it, especially with the, like the sugar snap peas that you had in there. Oh too. yeah. And so, um, so that was, I mean, that was super satisfying. Like I honestly could have eaten that entire bowl that you made. Yeah, you know? it was so good. Um, Anyway, there's yeah. nothing better than a good fresh salad with like a yummy vinaigrette. And I just I, like I mean the croissant pizza and the screaming Italian. What is it? Screaming Sicilian. It's a it's, <laughs> it's an alliteration. I should remember, but it was yeah. it was really good. <laughs> the irate Italian. The irate so. Italian. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! The the raging raging Roman. The puerile paisan. No, the p. <laughs> How to, I don't know. We'll find, I don't know. Anywho, I was like trying to be like, look how many cool words I know. (laughs) I know all the words. I know all the words. I'm a word doctor. (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, speaking of knowing things, is that a good enough segue? (laughs) I mean. To, speaking about being a doc, science about something, (laughs) scientific (laughs) let's talk about Alton Brown. Okay. So, um. You've known Alton Brown since Food Network, right? Or how did you yeah, first no- yeah. get to know him? I, so I think it was Good Eats yeah. that um, that started. And then, you know, obviously, like, he did more and more with, um, you know, like, Iron Chef and, and right. some of the other, like, there was kind of a spinoff with Good Eats mm-hmm. that, um, uh, you know, and, and but just the approach was, just resonated with me. Yeah. You know, the, the whole, like, scientific you know, an explanation and testing and the reasons be- behind, yeah. you know, like why this stuff is delicious or why it kind of changes form or whatever. Yeah. Um, I loved it. And so that was probably one of the first, um, one of the first big, big people that like got me to really into cooking at home right. and just trying a whole bunch of stuff. And for yeah, sure. I loved his, yeah, exactly. I, so, um, quickly before I go into just like a little bit of his background, he, um, is, he, on the show Good Eats that I think we both kind of let I also met him on, um, he had a lot of like diagrams or like skits or things where he kind of acted out molecular structure of, let's say, like baking mm-hmm. soda. Or he'd be like, okay, you use baking soda because it's alkaline and you introduce an acid like buttermilk or lemon juice and then yeah, it, it does X, Y, and Z and look at all these molecules and here's what happens. And then so he like would enlist like his daughter to play lemon juice and it's kind of like bill nye meets julia child like you know kind of this like or i'm not even julia child but somebody like another cook so i think that like his approach was kind of the first time somebody would explain food science to you without necessarily either speaking down to you he's like my audience will get it like I'm not going to be like, he was maybe a little pedantic, about, like certain things, but like in a, I mean, are we all? in a like <laughs> science, like in a, like a science teacher kind of way where he'd be like, assuming you knew X, like some information, but then also explaining a, a lot. I, I don't know. I really appreciated his approach to just to educate. I think that's kind of the big, the key thing. Yeah, no, totally. And it's funny because I think you said he's the first um, to kind of explain the science behind food without talking down. I think you could have just ended after right. science, science behind food because right. I don't I don't know of anybody that really did that. Right. And That's actually really the fact that he kind of took that approach in in that perfect way that you're describing, where it was a you know, it was much more digestible for us. Right. Food pun. I'm t- um, <laughs> you know, 
Uh, <laughs> too early in the morning for you for that. <laughs> so, no, I'm caffeinated, so um, I can tolerate dad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like it just was such a different take. Like I, I think every other, you know, cooking show that I had ever seen was just very straightforward. You right. might get like a little bit of something like that, but not in that that way that you said that that skit. And you know, yeah, and I'm sure that maybe wasn't for everybody, but I. I loved it. Yeah. I really loved it. I think, I do think it, Julia Child explained a little bit in her book. The The reason I said like without talking down was because I think in reading the um, French essentials, mastering the art of French cooking, I was like confusing it with Marcella. In reading that, I felt like there was a basis of knowledge that she assumed that every like home cook would have, but also would explain things, but also was like, so... I think maybe because I didn't have the cultural touchstones of the 60s. Like, I don't, I was like, oh, well, I don't know what an aspic is, Julie. I need you to explain that. Um, beef jelly, <laughs> meat jelly, <laughs> gross. Um, but she, anyway, so yeah, like, I think you're totally right. I, I don't remember, you know, I don't remember necessarily Emeril or Rachel Ray explaining necessarily the science behind these phenomena so I that's why I really like him and that's honestly why I really like Claire Saffitz because she is such an intellectual she has an intellectual approach to educating her audience in a way that really is really reminiscent to Alton Brown um okay so let me just get get started so okay so he was born in California I think he grew up in Georgia um, because his dad was a uh, owner of a radio station in Georgia. And then he went to, and then, so because he was kind of in this like media family, he went to study film at University of Georgia. And then he also was, okay, one of my favorite inf- bits was that he was a cinematographer for REM's music videos, for one of REM's music videos, which I think is really hilarious. <laughs> um, he said that he was like a terrible science student in high school and college, but when he was like watching TVs in college and stuff, he was just getting really annoyed with the quality of cooking education and how like nothing was, he didn't really like any of the cooking shows that were on American TV. So he was just like, you know what? I'm going to produce my own show. Gotta love it. I love that. It's like so good. So, so he enrolled in the new England culinary Institute. Um, and he was just like, well, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to dedicate this time in my life to understanding the science behind things because I was so bad in high school and college. Um, so, and then this is kind of where like he starts thinking about the home chef. He starts thinking about people like, you know, what their, what their like, um, cultural like touchstones are for food and like their knowledge schemas are for like what science is. And so he basically was like, here, I'm going to start giving hot takes as well. And he's like, I hate single purpose, like unit taskers, like garlic presses and margarita machines. Well, yeah. So like garlic presses and margarita machines are his two, like those are his two pet peeves that he always kind of goes back to. But he adapts a few traditionally single purpose devices like rice cookers, melon ballers into multi-purpose tools. So like totally. Mm -hmm. Hey, P.S. If you don't have a melon baller, because I don't, you could use a teaspoon. Cool. Uh, (laughs) Teaspoons work as melon ballers. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not sure why you would need a melon baller. You can core out an apple core if you're going to make like a, um, like a, if you're going to make like a tartatan and you need to core an apple or use a teaspoon. Um, okay, so he he graduated from the culinary school in 1997 and then aired his first pilot for Good Eats in 1998 on PBS, which I think is incredible. Ingenuity. Huh. And that does not align at all with my memory because I feel like I I feel like I watched him in 
high school. Like it, I graduated in '99, so um, and I, I I don't think I was watching him on PBS. I watched him on Food Network. So by the time he got to well, Food Network, it got picked up from from on the on Food Network in July of '99. So, but you would have graduated already. Yeah, just yeah. So, so yeah, I maybe, guess it was more college that I was watching him. Yeah. So so basically, he like. You know, he, I think another thing I love about Good Eats is that he would, like, jerry-rig a bunch of things into being, like, okay, if you don't have a steamer, do that. Kind of like our um, steamed bun episode. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that, like, somebody putting a towel around, a like, a, a lid and using just, like, a vegetable steamer as a bun steamer, that's a very Alton Brown kind of, like, using his ingenuity to figure yeah, out. So you don't have to buy a, a unit tasker. He also even, that extends to food. So right. I think I mentioned this maybe in a previous episode, but he's the reason why... Um, I was just like, oh, frozen shrimp is fantastic. Because mm-hmm. in one of the episodes that I watched him do, he, he just emphasized that it, you know, it's, it's just as good. It's, it's much less expensive and it just requires maybe a little bit more time, you know, cause you have to just plan ahead with defrosting. But then again, you also don't necessarily have to make a, a shopping run right? because you already have it on hand. And he, yep. so because of him, I pretty much always have, um, and use thankfully, uh, you know, a giant bag of frozen shrimp in my freezer. Yeah. No, he's, I think Good Eats was one of those, it, it was really like pivotal for me too, just to kind of de. I think the word is demystify. And that's our whole point is like demystifying yeah. these things it, that we see in the culinary world or you see at a restaurant, you're like, I could never do that. And like, all I want is for people to be like, oh, I could totally do that. So I like, yeah. Bravery, courage, demystification, Alton Brown. So he ha- he was like a producer and a star of a bajillion um, Food Network shows later on. But um, all, uh, Good Eats, which is, I think, the more pivotal one for our for us here at Too Many Cooks, <laughs> was um, uh, he ended it after 14 seasons. It won a bunch of awards. James Beard, Peabody, like incredible. Um, and so he... He said that it was he was going to release a Good Eats sequel, like Good Eats Reloaded and Good Eats colon The Return. I wanted it. To, <laughs> it sounds very like Fast and the Furious. Good Eats yeah, colon yeah. Tokyo Drift. I don't know. Too too good to eats. Um, and so he relaunched a bunch of these shows. Um, but in in addition, he was like, he's like the host of Iron Chef America, right? Mm-hmm. Or yeah. And then he had a show called Feasting on Asphalt, which I think sounds not fun. And then <laughs> then he was doing cut, Cutthroat Kitchen. He did a bunch of tours, blah, blah, blah. Amazing. Tons of stuff. Like, <laughs> okay. So, all right. So let's talk about the baby back ribs. Baby back ribs. I think I, I, think I hate, okay. The title of the recipe is Who Loves Your Baby Back? And I think I hate it. I think I hate it. <laughs> Who Loves Your Baby Back? Like, I just, um, there are so many other things that you could have made into, like, a baby back pun that I just don't think who loves you, baby, is, like, I think that's kind of, like, gross. Would you want to go with, like, baby back that ass up? Because that's not appropriate. Oh, it's better, though, because it's better than, like, <laughs> it's it's better because it's not, like, somebody who would, it seems, like, gross. I don't know. It just seems gross. It seems like a sleazy, like, I mean, back that ass up 90s, is a little bit. It was, yeah, it was a different time. So. <laughs> when, when did he write this? Um, 99 or 2000 or so. Yeah. Anywho, it's a pretty, okay. It's another one of those recipes where there's a lot of like a lot of stuff, but there's not a lot of technique involved. So 
you've got two whole slabs of pork baby back ribs, eight, and then you have a dry rub and then a braising liquid. So the dry rub includes brown sugar, salt, chili powder, ground black pepper, cayenne pepper, jalapeno seasoning, which we'll talk about, Old Bay seasoning, rubbed thyme, and onion powder. So basically for that, you just put everything, all of those dry ingredients in a bowl and mix well. Cool. Jalapeno seasoning. Let's talk about jalapeno seasoning. So jalapeno seasoning was probably one of the only... Hold on. I can't type and talk at the same time because I can't edit out my tippy-tappy. Tippy-tappy. Well, and there's, and there's, two, there's two other seasonings that I want to talk about as well. Oh, okay. Cool. So we got... The jalapeno seasoning we got was... It was just a jalapeno all-purpose seasoning. And it had... We got it from Amazon. And it had salt ground jalapeno pepper, black pepper, garlic, and other spices, which is not helpful. Other spices means nothing. Because if you're trying to do it at home, like a Mrs. Dash um, jalapeno seasoning blend says it has like onion powder, garlic powder, sugar, dried tomato, and then other spices. So jalapeno seasoning, the main thing is that you have dried green jalapenos in them. And dried jalapenos are also known as chipotle, but that's red, I think. Yeah, that's a, those are different things. Different Chipotle peppers. is a dried jalapeno. Is it? Yep. So, like, each fresh pepper and each dried pepper have a different word for it. So, a chipotle is a dried red jalapeno, like a ripe jalapeno. So, it's not technically what... It's not dry... So, if you get ch- chipotle seasoning, then it's, like, mm-hmm. a smokier... You, It's less citrus because a red... A green jalapeno is um like unripe like off the vine. you know how like a green bell pepper is just an unripe red bell pepper that's the same kind of phenomenon so once the jalapeno turns red and you dry it that's a and chipotle pepper and smoke it yeah the say, like poblano if you dry it you get an ancho poblano is the fresh version of the ancho chili um okay anywho 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 Jalapeno seasoning is one of those things where you use such a small amount of it for, you use half a teaspoon for um, this dry rub. And I don't necessarily think it imparts much like flavor itself. It's more of like a smoky, um, citrusy, because it's a green, a green jalapeno that you, that you dry and then pulverize. Um, So you could use like a little bit of cayenne and just, you could just double up on the other stuff. But I think it's an interesting, adds a little like, brightness to the dry rub that's my story i'd recommend buying it more than buying old bay i would recommend exactly gross. exactly hot take alert hey. hot take alert hot take alert <laughs> don't tell are you you're saying gra- hot tickler hot tickler is that or are you saying hot, hot take alert take alert <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> hot take alert we need a sting um I, old bay i mean there's Old a reason Bay. I live in Virginia, not Maryland. It's <laughs> the but... only reason. <laughs> <laughs> but Old Bay ruins like delicious seafood. So funny. This is I am terrified there's... to say anything. Man, there's so many better spice combinations. Like I, I have to I before I start talking. You... I have. I'm sorry. I have to look to see how many listeners listeners we have in Maryland because I'm scared shitless sure. to say anything about Old Bay. <laughs> I have um, opinions, but I don't want anyone to know about them. And I, I think based on how you're saying it, you're implying what they are. I just don't um, like celery. I don't like celery it's salt. Just, it's too much celery salt. It's it's a weird ratio. Like, I showed you two other um, spice blends mm-hmm. and that had a similar profile. And we, we, in a blind smell test, you know, we were just like, yeah, these are definitively 
one and two and old bay is a distant yep. third um they, i mean it i unless unless you already have old bay on hand i would say that is definitely something that can be replaced um and swapped out because it's also only a half teaspoon is interesting yeah and and i like i was planning on using the jalapeno seasoning tonight i was going to make um yeah Combine it with some lime juice and sour cream for a little, mm. one of the sauces for uh, the tacos tonight. So, yeah, we're making El Paso tacos because for Christmas I got Ben a um, a rotisserie, like a home rotisserie that I saw in binging with Babish, <laughs> where he makes he makes a shawarma and he basically like you can just use it as like a and there's no there's no real difference between shawarma and pastor in terms of technique because it is a thing from Arab immigrants in Mexico. It is a thank you. Um, so like. They're like, what did I say the other day? They like, the Mexicans were like, saw what the Lebanese immigrants had brought in their shawarma. And they're like, like, I can taco that. We can taco that. We can taco that. Um, So we're tacoing it tonight. Um, And it's like this, it's this like portable shawarma, or portable rotisserie. And um, I was like, if we're going to be living in places where they don't have tacos, i.e. the rest of the, the rest of the world, except for Mexico and the U.S., this is what we need in our house. So we got I'm, it. I'm, I'm so excited to see it and use it and yeah. see how it works and like try the food because yeah. this is something that I definitely could see getting for myself depending on the footprint and also the, outcome, so. the footprint is one, one foot by one foot by two feet by three feet, maybe two and a half feet. It's like, it's like narrow and tall and it also makes Peruvian chicken. I know. And that's, that's the so, thing I would, I'm really excited. I would definitely just be like, yeah. Um, anyway, anywho, so, um, let's talk about, so Old Bay, I don't like it because of the celery, but it's also a half a teaspoon. So you could just like think of the things that are in Old Bay that you like, like the paprika and the, and the garlic powder and all that stuff. Yeah. And drop the celery as well. Um, what (laughs) is, what's rub time, Grace? Okay. All right. All right. So rubbed (laughs) time, rub time was one of those things where I went on a rabbit hole because I was like, it can't possibly just be time that you rub. But it is. It's time that you pulverize into with like a mortar and pestle or you use the back of your um, ice cream scoop. Yeah, I use the back of my um, juicer. Juicer, right. Um, like a, yeah, like a lemon, a lemon juicer. You, anything mm-hmm. that you have kind of like a rounded or a flat edge. Like um, previously I've used like a meat tenderizer to like smush down thyme or like stuff like that. So um, I rub time is like simply just time that you pulverize into a little bit more of a powder so the goal dried, for so it's and it was dried time that we pulled oh out. i'm sorry excuse me yes dried time yes because the goal for all of this is that you're making a a dry rub that you can place on all all sides of your all sides of your of your baby back ribs and kind of do like a little dry brine for an hour a minimum of an hour and it says like i mean honestly with stuff like this with a dry brine like this you could do it for overnight like it's not gonna hurt it it's just gonna it would actually even like desiccate the skin and to impart a little bit more um crisp the other thing that um i know i know it didn't necessarily specify but whenever i do a, a dry brine i usually leave it uncovered so that the skin gets extra crispy and so it's like you want to because if you cover it you're going to have save all the moisture it might feel gross, but whatever. Anyway, um, then you make the braising liquid in, Dave doesn't have a microwave, so 
We just put it on the stovetop. Your braising liquid is a cup of white wine, two tablespoons white wine vinegar, two tablespoons Worcestershire. Based on where you where you grew up. Worcestershire. Worcester. Worcestershire. Worcestershire. Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire. 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 This is the remix. Worcester. <laughs> this is where Grace. <laughs> having is she having a stroke? Yeah. <laughs> Worcestershire sauce. Please. <laughs> honey and two cloves of garlic chopped. Well, now I'm just going to say it back. This is where the dad jokes are contagious because once somebody like <laughs> opens the door for me, like my, I think I told you my students told me I had major mm-hmm. dad energy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> I think my my dad will be so unlocked. Well, that's it. Like my dad will be so proud because he's like also. I mean, he's a dad and a professor, and I like learned how to be a dad. No, I learned how to be a dad professor like him. So I like saw. I used to like go to his classes and stuff, and I'm like, that's funny. I want to be a professor like that. So it's like all self deprecating, all dad jokes. Like yeah. So thanks, thanks, that's pops great. for thanks, Doctor Dad for. <laughs> giving me my my big dad energy when, I, when I'm teaching. Um, okay, so microwave or microwave or heat all this braising liquid until it combines, and then once your ribs are out of the fridge, you okay. Oh oh oh, let's talk about. Oh my god, Dave, mm-hmm. talk to me about aluminum foil. Well, I thought you were going to actually first talk about skin. Oh, the skin. I skipped a step. I skipped a step. You didn't skip a step in the recipe, though. Ribs on the back of them. On the back of the ribs where the, like, um, so it's... The convex side. Yeah, the convex, the convex side. Your, no, concave. concave. I thought it was on the convex side. No, convex is, like, out, right? Cave. No, I know what, I know what convex and no, concave No, no, I'm asking. I, I'm asking. A... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't convex know. is the hump. There's no, the hump. it's the cave. It's on the concave side? It's on the concave side. It's on the it's on the it's on the side that attaches to the body and isn't like the juicy juicy rib on the outside. It's, hmm, I it's, thought it was on the other side that you pulled it off. No, so when you flip it flip a rib over, it's the concave side and it's the bone. There is a there is a membrane. Um it's kind of like silver skin, but there's a membrane of that kind of hey, FYI, your meat comes from living things. So there are there are this is like the nipples on the on the pork belly, like I'm, I'm going to be talking about some phenomenon of your meat comes from animals. So, which anybody sorry. who's been joining us like later in the season is going to be, I'm sorry, the nipples on the what? No, yeah, yeah nipples on the bacon so, episode yeah. one. one and two, one, yeah. one and yeah, go, go back. Oh yeah, time. it was episode one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, episode one, nipple trauma or bacon trauma, not nipple mm-hmm. trauma. Um, <laughs> okay, so on the concave side of ribs, there is this membrane that um it, it kind of like its purpose is to keep the ribs like together and so when you're eating when you're eating ribs if you've ever like bitten into a rib and it doesn't quite fall off the bone and it and it kind of like stays kind of in the accordion of the rib and it you can't necessarily separate each rib into its component parts after it's cooked that's because the membrane wasn't necessarily stripped so i learned this from again I, this is like a babish heavy episode but i learned this from binging with babish basically like you you want to take that membrane off and it comes off in kind of like in strips it's a very satisfying removal process where you make a slit and you hold on to the slit um, with a paper towel because you want some traction and you pull and it comes off in these little strips 
you want to you want to get rid of that so that the there's nothing holding the ribs together in like structural integrity. You want it to be like a free form kind of thing. You want them to be loose. They're not they're going to stay together, but it's like yeah, when, once the, once once the meat um, breaks down and the tissues break down in the oven and they braise like there's nothing really impeding them from falling off the bone. Um and as much as you cook it down, it's never going to be, like, toothsome and, like, tender. It's always going to kind of be this, like, membranous silver skin that you, you're going to kind of be like, ooh, what, what was that? So Alton Brown doesn't talk about that. This is just, like, an insider tip that I learned from Babish, and that's what I've been doing when I've I cooked I've cooked ribs once before. And I did that, and it was really effective. Um, so, yeah, that's my story is I, I have a video of it, and I'll post it. So, yeah, I'll post the video of me doing it because it's actually not that – it's not that hard. You can just – you just use the, you use tension, you use your arm strength and it's whatever. Cool. So that's my story about ribs. Aluminum foil. Please so, talk to me about aluminum foil so I can take a sip of water. Sure. So, uh, within the, the write-up of the recipe, you know, he mentions using heavy duty aluminum foil. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's something that everybody has on hand necessarily. And I think no. that generally speaking, um, if, it's a kind of a specialty item like that. It should be noted in the ingredients list as just kind of like mm -hmm. a little aside of just, by the way, you know, when you're making your shopping list, you're going to need some heavy duty aluminum I oil. agree because so, if you use the paprika app, it would have done it for you. It would have like, it would yeah, have had I you mean, check it off. Yeah. And like, and we don't, so we didn't have it on hand. Right. And so. Why would you? We, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so we basically had to kind of double and triple up aluminum foil mm -hmm. to kind of create um, the the fold that's going to hold the ribs, which we, we'll talk about that also in a second. Um, and definitively, I think that the thinness of, of the foil kind of combined to, to pose some challenges yeah. during the recipe and, you know, later on. Because a lot of the liquid was able to leak out much yeah. more easily. And we had a listener write in who she had an identical experience. Right. I mean, it, it definitely is something that if you're going to make this recipe, get heavy duty aluminum foil for right. it. Um, you know, because I, I think it's, it's kind of critical because it's, once you lose any of that liquid, your cooking time is going to be adjusted. Yep. It, it's, it's definitely very like slippery slopes. So. And you're no longer braising your, you're steaming it in its own mm -hmm. juices as opposed to braising it. Like you, like the braising, the braising technique is the same thing we did with the bouffe bourguignon where it's like you're cooking a meat and it's in and it's juices and other juices so that it gets maximally tender. And if you, if your liquid leaks out of the, of the little pouch that it's in of the aluminum foil, that it's steaming only in its steam and it's not, in, you know, cooking and juices um yeah. the 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 technique of of cooking something in a like a parchment or aluminum foil purse or or pouch is like super common like that's how i make tilapia that's how i make like i don't know you can make like chicken breast and i think that the phrase is like on papillot like a in a little is that the word is that the like technical term for it i have no idea i think um, this, this is the only recipe that i've I do oh. this technique for. Oh, cool. Okay, yeah. It's, um, yeah, and I can't, I don't speak French. En, en papillote. No. En, papi, en, papillote, en papillote is basically like a parcel or a purse where you, like, take, like, parchment and you use steam and raising liquid or whatever and you cook something in it. 
Um, yeah. So that's the goal is to create this like perfect little pouch that you, yeah. yeah. Which this is another part, just kind of the recipe, the way it's written. It's not the most straightforward description of kind of like creating that pouch. Correct. Right? Um, and so on, on, if you use the recipe um, that was in the show notes, there's, it's, it's for Food Network. And mm-hmm. there is a video above it that's clips from the episode where you can see, you know, how he does it. We're so lucky so that we, we saw that. <laughs> yeah. So we watch the video and normally we all, you know, we might do this for research, but again, for what we're analyzing is the recipe is written, right? And so um, watching the video is a big help. I, I definitely recommend it. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitively, I think the way the recipe is written, it's not, I mean, you, you'll hear it when we start, or at least when I start getting into approachability, because I, I feel like it's not um, the most straightforward description that could have been written. I needed the visualization. So, because I had, I had read the recipe a bunch of times and I was like, I think I got it, but I would not have done it the way that he showed on the video. And so I was mm-hmm. like, well, damn. So he basically says, okay, so you... Place each slab of baby back ribs on a piece of heavy-duty aluminum foil, shiny side down. Sprinkle each side generously with a dry rub. Pat the rub blah, blah, and then, okay, place the ribs on a baking sheet. So you take the ribs off of the, off of the, uh, no, you take, no, shoot. Okay, so basically, I'm trying to be literal about it, like a linguist, like, okay, so. Well, you also, so. Even the one line of place the ribs on uh, the aluminum foil, shiny side down. The shiny side down is referencing the foil, not the ribs. Um, yes, good catch. There is kind of a shiny side of of, of ribs, right? Like, yep. There's more meat on one side, there's more bone on the other. And so, and so when I first read it, um, I was like, all right, I'm, I think that the placement of the modifier is referencing yeah. the foil because you know otherwise it would have said place the ribs shiny side down on you know sheet of aluminum foil you know what we but need it could be interpreted either way exactly we need to do what i do like this is like so this is maybe a little too pedantic but like when i'm grading i'll like have a pdf of my students papers and i'll be like vague or like this is semantically ambiguous like can we have a website or something where you like you and i just like annotate like we have like annotations on the recipe, yeah. yeah, yeah, where we're like, this is semantically ambiguous, and then I grade it, <laughs> like, <laughs> like four out of five for vagueness, but good effort. It's like old bay sucks, and then just cross it off. Oh <laughs> I love that idea. Okay, um, I I I am so glad that you caught that because that is like such a good that is such a good a good point. And then I hang the- around a lot of word doctors, and so I pick up on this stuff. <laughs> Okay, one. <laughs> Place ribs on a baking sheet, but it doesn't tell you to keep the rib on the, on the aluminum foil. Um, and then you're like, oh, open one end of the foil on each slab and pour half of the braising liquid into each foil packet. Tilt the baking sheet in order to equally distribute the braising liquid and then braise the ribs in the oven for two and a half hours. So, like, all that is pretty self-explanatory if you watch the video, because you can watch him be, he basically, like, he he collects it on the on the short side, kind of like wrapping the. He he makes like a tent with the aluminum foil, and rolls that down, and then takes the long sides, like the. Am I saying that right? No, I think it's opposite, right? Like he takes the two long sides and and combines them and rolls it yeah. down, and then he takes the short sides, which is yep. like, yeah, okay. He takes the short sides, and 
like curls them up to meet the rib, the short side of the rib, and then has them in such a way that you can open the short sides, but not the long side so that you can pour the braising liquid. He, he says to make like a little like aluminum foil, big mouth bass of <laughs> like mm-hmm. opening. So you can pour the braising liquid straight into that, tilt the braising, tilt the baking sheet with the ribs in it. So the braising liquid goes down to the other end, which is a great technique. I just didn't, ex- yeah. I didn't hear it or I couldn't visualize it. Visual. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, okay, and then transfer the braising. Okay, once your ribs are braised, and it says to preheat your oven to 250, but in the video it says to preheat your oven to 225. And so we went with 250. Right, because that's what the... Just because that's, that's what said. was written. Yeah. Um, and then afterwards, I think both of us were just like, you Should. know, 225, I think, probably would have been, yeah. been better. Because it's like, you're, you're, the, the deal is, your ribs are going to get to a cooking your your ribs are going to get to an internal temperature where you're not going to kill your family with salmonella like you'll be fine at 225 it is just actually the lower and slower you go the more the rib meat the more the meat will break down in the braising liquid um you and i also struggled because we doubled up like there was a little bit of overlap and the and the braising liquid leaked out so we already talked about that and then he says to to either cut whole once the ribs are cooked and the way that you feel, the way that you can tell that the ribs are cooked, which you learn from the video, is you take, um, you take a rib mate like three or four down, right on the, mm-hmm. and then yep. you you twist it, and if there's no give when you twist the bone, then they're done. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is also like, that's hard to do because it was so hot. hot. There was four. We so had, we needed hot. four hands to do this. Like they're hot as hell. You were lifting up one side. I was. There was liquid everywhere. You and I were like, ah, ah, like trying to use yeah. our tongs to do it. Like, and that's maybe another reason why to do 225 is so it's not so hot. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think we're shitting on Alton Brown and we don't mean to, but I, I'm like, get, I'm like no, re- I think it's, I think remembering it's the re- the how recipe. Stressful. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we haven't talked about our thoughts on the actual. No, so, I mean, we've been talking for like 40 minutes about just this thing. So can you talk about, so it's, it says transfer the braising liquid from the papillot, from the, from the pouch. And for us, it was from the baking sheet, which is, which just sucked. You transfer it to a medium saucepan and you reduce it. Yeah. <laughs> clear, clear a fucking afternoon for that. Yeah, seriously. It was bring, bring the liquid to <laughs> a simmer <laughs> and reduce by half until a thick syrup consistency. Brush the yeah, glaze onto the took... ribs and place, place the under the broiler until the glaze caramelizes slightly. Slice each rib into slice each slab into two rib portions. Place the remaining hot glaze in a bowl and top toss the ribs portions in the glaze. We did not do that, but because we couldn't get the glaze done, couldn't get time, the glaze we done. We had we had three others we had three sides to go with it two of which were hot right um you know and so you hit a point where it's just like i'm tired i can't wait for this sauce and you know um so we just yeah we just didn't reduced it as much as we could brushed it broiled and then we had a second we had that second slab that we're still waiting on yeah um because it was a little bit thicker um and so with that the the sauce kind of reduced a little bit more we were able to use it so i we had the incredible sides to go with it right and so one of them was actually another all brown recipe so um but i think in doing this recipe we're just like all right we we know some things that we need to have with this right so i really wanted to make my garlic mashed potatoes for it because i just felt like it would pair perfectly uh sneak preview it did uh (laughs) but i also had always wanted to make like 
legit baked beans, you know, ones that are actually cooking for a while and, you know, taste like you're out on like the open range, you know, because I'm never going to be out in the open range. Like that, I don't, I don't do either of those things. Open or range. Open or <laughs> so we, we, he has a, a perfect recipe for this. And yeah. so we uh, soaked some dried Great Northern beans overnight. And then um, he has basically a, a nice recipe where you take, uh, you know, 12 ounces uh, of bacon, just chop it up, medium onion, chop it up, two jalapenos, devein, chop them up, quarter cup of tomato paste, quarter cup dark brown sugar, quarter cup molasses. First time using molasses for me. That was fun. Um, <laughs> four cups of vegetable broth. And you actually, uh, it's four cups minus any extra soaking liquid that you had from mm. the bean juice. And so yeah. you use that first because that's got some flavor in it now. Um, and then you then add vegetable uh, broth until you get up to four cups. Quarter teaspoon cayenne pepper, teaspoon black pepper, two teaspoons kosher salt. Um, and basically you're going to saute the uh, the bacon and the onion and the jalapenos enough first. And that the fat from the bacon is going to be um, basically what you're cooking in. That's the cooking fat that you're using, yeah. stirring in everything else um and then you add the the beans in and cook in a dutch oven for uh, about six to eight hours we did about seven hours yeah i think i would do um six next time because it got like a little bit dried out yeah check it after five yeah these were so so good yeah i mean we we love them they were smoky Uh, and yeah it was so good. just full of flavor definitely would make them again um you made uh a delicious cucumber mint salad yeah um that kind of replicates a, a side dish from a barbecue place that's like right outside the yeah. door. Yeah. Um, so that was delicious. We had a listener uh, mention that she made some like Mike's hot cornbread. That oh, looked Mike's hot honey. Mike's hot honey. Mike's hot honey. Yeah, cornbread. Um, or I guess that was drizzled on top. Right? Yeah. So the food charlatan cornbread is the name of her of the recipe that she used. So she sent a link to that. I can. I'll, I'll post. All, it looks. She made like a looks, cast. Cast iron skillet cornbread. It is the most beautiful cornbread I've ever seen. And then yeah. I can't, I honestly can't wait to post these pictures because I think, um, yeah, it looks awesome. Yeah. And it Sorry. made me really regret not doing cornbread. Me too. too. I was thinking about <laughs> that. I was, I was like, we like, were too <laughs> focused on, we were too focused on everything else. But like, yeah, she made, she, she made cornbread and then it was so sweet. She made like a giant cookie, like a, like a cookie pie yeah, thing. It looks so good. <laughs> Such a smart idea. Um, yeah. So this, so basically bottom line, this, I mean, cause you're not going to sit down and just have ribs, right? So it needs um, other junk with it. Yeah, yeah. You need some stuff with it. And like all these things, I mean, you could do a baked potato with it. Um, you know, and the nice thing about the beans is that the temperature of the oven matched up, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, the mashed potatoes are stovetop. And so, you know, that, that right. works really well doing like a little side salad or something like that just to uh, cut works it. really well. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so I definitely recommend kind of pairing some different things with it. But do you want to dive into uh, our fear ratings? Yeah, fear ratings. Okay. So flavor for me, flavor and texture, we talked about this while we were eating it. Like flavor and texture, I think I am I include in the same one, just FYI mm-hmm. for people. So um, the flavor was great. The texture was a little, I think the, the ribs were too beefy. I think they are not beefy, but they were like big. They were like too big and we needed to Porky. lower the temp. And so they didn't get to that like off the boat they were delicious they were super tender mm-hmm. one of the racks was a lot was like my ideal and the other one was a little too um tough it 
they were just like the meat itself was too tall. There was it, there was a little too much fat on that slab itself. And I yeah, think the second one. And the second one. The first one was perfect. So I think it had, it was like to do with the 225 versus 250. So I would definitely recommend doing it at 225. Um, and the also loss of liquid. the loss of liquid. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to dock it to a four, which is not that bad, yeah. but I think, it, yeah. I think the flavor of the dry rub, the flavor of the braising liquid and the flavor of the meat itself was delicious. There was just a little bit of a textural thing with the second slab that made me feel like, oh, okay, well, this wasn't, I, this wasn't perfect. This wasn't like, um, the most beautiful thing on the planet mm. texturally. The flavor was, it was great. So it was like, it's definitely a four for me. Ease. Okay. So ease is, it's tough. To, so like the technique in terms of like technique, it's very minimal. Like you mix stuff in a bowl, you put stuff in a, in a saucepan, you put the, and then when you get like, but then the technique of getting the pop of the, like the parchment, like, or the, I'm sorry, the, the, the pouch of the tinfoil, that was the thing that really ease wise. Yeah. That, that, and the that sauce, was, right? and yeah. And the, and the ease of, of, um, reducing. So I, three, two and a half. Like I, I'm, I'm knocking it. (laughs) What? I was like, those are some harsh penalties for just, uh... because I, because of how, well, maybe, yeah, no, I'm going to stick with three because you and I had to figure out, I don't think you should have to use four hands to get, to transfer stuff back and forth between like baking sheets and tinfoil and oh and tinfoil can you tent this can you pour this out can you grab mm-hmm. this with the with the pinchers like tongs <laughs> like um <laughs> pinchers um so i i'm docking it because in because of this conversation i don't think that what we had it's i can't speak to what the alum, the heavy duty aluminum foil like recipe would be because mm-hmm. i would i don't know yet but um yeah, I'm going to say three because I think it was a little, um, it was like cum- cumbersome around midpoint where we were trying to transfer everything and it was like, cool. yeah, yeah, so three. And then approachability, four, <laughs> three and a half <laughs> because of the jalapeno seasoning and the tinfoil and say three and a half. But repeatability, I can't wait to make it again the right way, like a better way. Like I learned a lot. Like I learned a lot. I learned a lot about the technique. I feel really good about it. I feel really confident that I could do it better next time. So this is my, my like always my thing. It's like, okay, so four, three, three and a half, five. <laughs> Fifteen and a half. Yeah. Go ahead. Nice. Um, yeah. So um, I agree. This is this is a four the way it came out, but it's it definitely has the potential to be a five. I mean. Mm-hmm. The, the the flavor was was delicious it was really really good um but yes exactly like the, the texture just i think based on some of the issues that we identified just didn't work out exactly that we wanted yeah um ease i will penalize um as well but i guess not um as harshly like yeah. to me the ease was a four because the bulk of the recipe is insanely insanely easy that's true like, yeah it's just that pretty much when you're kind of getting it out of the oven um you know, there's a little bit of challenge with with the um, getting making the sauce and everything, and so. Uh, but I don't think you're that far off at yeah. all. You know, I, I think it can go either way. Um, approachability. So here I'm going to be a little bit more harsh, I think, mm. because we we had to watch the video. Uh, That's true. I forgot the about the video that, that wasn't in there. That no mention in the video or in the writing 
about taking off the membrane, mm -hmm. um, which was huge that we knew to do it ahead of time. Definitely would have detracted, I think, from the overall experience had we not. Uh, the the way the foil is kind of like a critical step and it's not really called out right? Um, as you know, in the ingredient list or anything like that. Um, the temperature difference is, is oh. different between the video and, yep. and the, the actual write-up, right? You have to, like rub time is, is potentially a specialty ingredient that you're buying that you don't need because you probably, it should have dry time already mm -hmm. on, on your shelf. Mm -hmm. um, the jalapeno seasoning is a specialty ingredient that you're buying to use a small amount of that's not really that critical. Again, I, right. I'm, kind, I'm glad that we have it because uh, right. I, I think I will be using it. But it's, you know, anytime you have a special ingredient, I think you, you lose a little bit of, of points. And yep. Old Bay sucks. <laughs> so, so and, we but actually again, don't. That's also, we only have a, that's a special two, ingredient. We have two listeners from Baltimore, so I, we, I apologize yeah. to them. Um, Baltimore is an amazing city. I love Baltimore it. is actually um, great. I would love to live in Baltimore. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll just so, keep my hot takes about Old Bay to myself if I ever live in Baltimore. Now, see, Baltimore people are smart, though. They, they know that Old Bay sucks. <laughs> it's the rest of Maryland that doesn't know. Oh my so, god. I'm terrified. So all of that, right? Because again, Old Bay is a special ingredient. So even if you even if you like it, right? Um, you know, you don't necessarily have it. And so that's another kind of special ingredient. So all those things combined, um, and I may have even left something off. Oh, uh in the video, it you know, like you mentioned about uh grabbing the third or fourth rib, and that's how you tell when it's done. Yeah. In the recipe, as we doesn't say it that. doesn't tell you that. Right. Right. So it just says, you know, when, how it's done um, or it doesn't say how it's done. Um, wh which direction do you put the ribs face down on the foil? Are they convex or uh, concave down? Con you put the uh, you put the the meat side up. Right. So it's going it to be convex. Or, yeah. Convex. No, it doesn't. Right. See, so as written, I think the approachability of this recipe is really lacking a lot yeah. of stuff. I think um, you've convinced me. Yeah. Yeah, so um, so I, I'm I think I'm gonna just give it a two as written. You know, it's mm -hmm. again, Fair. it's it's not. Don't get me wrong, not a bad recipe in any way. Um, so repeatability for me, it's a five. I, same thing. I want to make it again, especially mm -hmm. knowing all this stuff and learning all this stuff. And it it's yeah. it's delicious. Again, it's a it's a four, you know, flavor with a potential of five. And the ease I think is is it's well worth it, right? I mean, definitely, yeah. definitely make this. So, yeah. but just in terms of the way it's written, listen to what we said, you know, re watch the video, you know, read some comments or something like just figure out, do a little bit of extra work, unfortunately, just so that, you know, kind of going in right. that, you know, everything that you're reading is not exactly the step-by-step -step that you're going to be doing. There's just a few other things that you kind of need to be aware of. And so, right. um, so altogether, that's, uh, that's still a 15, right. you know, even with the, the low score on approachability. Yeah. But, um. Yeah, so. I think that like our, our listener Diana um, from Sandwich Mass, so I love it. Anyway, um, I spent a lot of time on Cape Cod, and so it's nice to have a have a Cape Cod listener. Um, she was so sweet too because she was saying that like she was looking for a cookbook club, and it didn't really take off because of the pandemic and you know people like just life and stuff. And so she was saying that this was kind of like a nice little cookbook club for her. Our, our podcast which is like our ultimate goal so i really appreciate that it's kind yeah, of coming that. to fruition like our our dream of creating a cookbook club together has reached people and they are kind of have bought in which i i just really appreciate i'm feeling i'm feeling very earnest and sincere with my with my just admiration for our sweet listeners um 
But basically, so Diana said that she was like, she was skeptical at first with the braising liquid. She thought the instructions were vague in some areas. Check. Um, She used Pinot Gris for the wine, blah, blah, blah. Um, She made the food charlatan moist cornbread and Mike's hot honey on top as a side. And she cut everything in half, made a half half batch of ribs. The braising liquid didn't stay in the foil. I had three pieces and it still made it out. It didn't make any difference because it stayed on the sheet pan. Yeah. So she poured it into the pan and said, and tried to reduce by half to make the, the glaze. And it took her 25 minutes on full simmer before it finally became a syrup for her. Um, but it, she said it was still thin and kind of greasy. But oh, well, it's ribs. Like, that's kind of how we felt, too. Like, oh, well, it's ribs. You stick them under the broiler, you get it kind of crispy. Oh, well, it's mm-hmm. oh well it's ribs. Um, so, yeah, they were tender, fell off the bone. Husband totally loved them. Absolutely. She said, I thought the fit flavor was good, but I think a little tangy barbecue sauce is needed to boost the flavor, which is exactly what we were talking about, too. We needed, we were thinking, like, we needed something a little bit hot or sweet or something, like, to boot, to enhance it a little bit, right? So I felt that with uh, the leftovers. The the next day, yeah, I, I boosted up a little bit with Fair. some like a, a spicy, a flavorful barbecue sauce. I, I didn't think that coming out of the oven, um, uh, for day one, it necessarily. I felt it had a a, no. a good amount of flavor. And... Actually, you're right. The first batch was del- was perfect flavor, and yeah, that's right. Definitely fell off the bone. She had made a really great point, and she said that like. You know, I think a novice would have had a tough time guess- guessing on some of the instructions. That's a huge that's a huge point because we didn't necessarily um yeah, like we're not novices and we knew that we could be like, okay, well the braising liquid needs to stay inside the thing, but what are we gonna do? Whatever. Like we can kind of like improvise. Um no, she's she's great. This is she just has like has really nice um nice feedback and, and good perspective. Like she's, she's said she's more of a pastry person. So it was nice to try a new recipe. And I was like, ha pastry. <laughs> Let's do it. You had me up until that moment. <laughs> no, shut up. <laughs> um, she also recommended watching, um, a new show with Stanley Tucci called finding Italy, which I cannot wait to watch. I love it. Um, okay. So Diana's feedback was just very aligned with ours and and I appreciate that it wasn't just us you know I always feel nice when I'm like oh we're not alone we're not the asshole like I'm not, you know what I mean we're and not so alone still are, but yeah. we're not alone like we're we're the ones that like you know there's 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 dozens of us <laughs> who have the same experience um yeah so I'm I'm excited to make it again this would be great for um like a backyard barbecue once everyone's vaccinated and the world gets back. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Yeah. It's, we definitely have to do it again. Yeah, for sure. Cool. All right. Awesome. Um, okay. So, so what are we making next? Yes. Okay. So for next time, I thought it would be really fun to, um, get to the middle East and try, um, a recipe by Yota Motolenghi, who's an Israeli chef. Um, and he has this amazing, he, you know, his specialties are like super fresh, like either Mediterranean kind of, oh, obviously Mediterranean flavors, but also, but veggie forward. And so we're going to be doing cauliflower steaks with zatar, not zatar, not zatar. It's like zatar. Um, so that'll be the weird specialty ingredient. Um, I'm really excited. It looks so, looks so good. It is like you've right. got cauliflower. You've got cauliflower mash. He said, he said the first line is, I don't want to waste any of the cauliflower, which is why the steaks are served on top of the mash. It's like, hell yeah. So yeah, good. We're using all parts of all the cauliflower. Parts. And, yeah. This is a vegetarian meal, but um, it's easily made vegan because there's only um, butter in the mash. So if you don't, you can use whatever butter you want. 
he specifies unsalted. Hmm. And yeah, because you have to specify. That's uh-huh. great. And then um, he has like a ton of spices, fresh, fresh, uh, fresh herbs, capers, fried capers. I can't wait. I'm so excited. So this is going to be really fun. It's going to be some technique in terms of like stuff that I've never done before. I've never fried a caper. Um, yeah, I can't wait. Fresh time for spring. Let's get some fresh, yummy veggies. Yes. Okay, cool. Well, Dave, I guess I'm going to so see we, you in an hour. Yeah. So here's my question for you. Did my pa- did my bread that I'm making right now overproof? While we were talking, oh, <laughs> I don't think so because it was out of the fridge. I'm really excited. I gotta go bake. Cool. Gotta go bake. All right. I will see you in an hour. Perfect. Okay. Um. Oh yeah, and like, let me sign off the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> just leave it running. Let, just leave it running. Let them just listen to dead audio for a while. If we don't sign off, they we can't leave us. Forever. Honestly, I. I think because I, I opened the stats today and saw that we were we have hit all six continents. Our just last one is is Austria is Antarctica. We've got a listener in the science space. <laughs> no, yeah. last one is Antarctica. I am feeling very hashtag blessed and very excited about our sweet podcast. Okay, <laughs> that's enough sincerity for one episode. Uh- <laughs> All right, friends, eat well, be well, and don't forget to preheat your oven. <laughs> yeah, we we, uh, we made it an entire episode talking about baby back ribs. And at no point what? did either of us break into, I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. I want my baby back, Jilly's baby back, baby back. Chili's baby back ribs. <laughs> I can't get the (laughs) Um, We did it. I'm actually very impressed with us. 